All right, yeah. let's uh, jump out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. He writes for the Deseret News. He's our good friend, Dirk Facer, with us back on the big show. Hi, Dirk. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, you bet. Uh, it's fun to talk a little football, even though we don't know exactly what uh, that's going to look like. But Coach Whittingham did have a Zoom conference the other day and covered a number of different things. What were kind of the highlights to you? You know, I think the big thing that's going on is there's so much speculation right now. And I think the the best thing that I got out of what he said was, you know, let's, let's cool our heels, so to speak, wait a couple weeks to see where everything sits because uh, – you know, they're talking about a six-week window at, at minimum to get a team ready to play a game. And so if you go six weeks back from the season opener, Utah-BYU, I think that's somewhere around July 23rd. And, uh, you know, there's speculation that kids need to be back in school this fall. There's speculation that some conference teams are able to play and others in other states aren't. There's so much uh, stuff spaghetti being thrown against the wall i don't think we're really going to know until like coach witt said maybe four to six weeks from now we'll have a little more clarity do you have an idea or at least a best guess as far as what the likely scenario will be you know listening to you guys both made great points um it, it vacillates back and forth but i think uh i think right now the goal is to get the season off on time to not mess with the schedules. They have to have contingency plans because this uh, virus is obviously so unpredictable and with the big flare-ups in these states that are allowing people in early in that. You know, I really think it's just going to be a, a wait-and-see thing, but, uh, you know, I guess I'm an optimist thinking that, you know, they're going to try like heck with the TV contracts and all the money that's involved to get this thing off on time. I think moving it to spring and that, then you start affecting the NFL draft, you know, for some of the guys that are going to get drafted, really going to want to play in the spring, um, you know, and not have time to, you know, be healthy by the time the draft and the combine roll around, you move everything. But there's so many moving parts right now. So I guess optimistically I'm going to plan on a season starting on time if uh, the next four to six weeks uh, provide some clarity. But if, if things are still kind of a mess, uh, I think all options are on the table. I've uh, seen some comments and heard some comments from Larry Scott, and they've seemed pretty optimistic about things. But it seems to me he's got a challenge that maybe the SEC doesn't have where what is possible in Utah and Arizona might not be so possible in California. How do you think right. they're going to handle that? Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, the, the conference is doing these webinars, and they just had uh, Jonathan Smith from Oregon State on, and you know he, you know, their Oregon governor, I think, is discouraging uh, large gatherings until October, from what I understand. And you know, he kind of gave the optimistic viewpoint that you know nothing's in concrete as far as that's concerned right now, and they're going to work through it and for you know just sort of uh, move forward as if the season is going to start on time. So the Oregon situation's unique. Uh, you know, Arizona letting the professional athletes get back in full bore is one thing, but Herm Edwards from Arizona State was on there today, and he said, you know, student college athletes are different. They're student athletes, and parents are involved in these decisions. So you just can't make a blanket statement that, you know, all the colleges are back. So there's some moving parts there with parents. And then Chip Kelly was the other guy on the on the show today, or on the 
whatever they call it, webinar today. And, you know, and he mentioned that, you know, UCLA uh, was not part of that uh, Cal system that decided they weren't going to do sports this fall. So, you know, they're still up there. So there's a lot of people, a lot of speculation out there, and it still comes down to everybody's just kind of waiting to see where the chips fall here. And uh, I don't think anyone knows right now. And I think, honestly, these next this next month, seeing if the virus, you know, uh, the curve gets flattened, will say a lot. But I don't think any definitive things have affected the Pac-12. And, you know, I don't know what you guys think, but I just don't buy this uh, renegade thing where some schools will play, some won't. Because to me, if you don't play, you sit out this football season, it's almost akin to when SMU had to shut down. I mean, you're telling me that, you know, you could, anybody can make up ground, you know, losing a year. Let's just say if Oregon doesn't play and USC does or vice versa or Utah or whatever, any combination, can a team make up for not playing for a whole year? How long will it take them to recover? Will it be years for them to be competitive again? I think that needs to be factored in there. And I don't think any of the big boy schools are going to want to sit this one out uh, for fear of uh, being like Tennessee or a school like that that's irrelevant for a while after they were you know, such a big player in the game. I don't know. I, I just can't see... I just can't see it, to be honest. So, Dirk, I, I want you to hearken back to your political science classes when you were in college, all right? And when I got fast. those C's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what happens if, let's say, California does have a directive in place that uh, against any kind of uh, you know a situation where it is discouraging uh, the possibilities for college football? What then what do the California schools do? I mean, if they're getting political pressure, you think they defy that? Is it even possible for them to defy that? You know, you're the California expert. I'm, I'm a guy that goes to Disneyland uh, quite often, but, <laughs> but I'll tell you. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what they would do in that circumstance. Or, or maybe... Maybe they would be able to do it just without fans. But, man, you hear it's what's so weird about the college football scene right now. And you already described that everything's in the air and this thing is evolving. It's leaning this way. It's leaning that way. But when I see school presidents in the SEC saying, by golly, we're going to have football this fall and we're going to have fans in the stands, too. I mean, they're, they're acting as though they're, they're drawing that line in the sand and saying this is going to happen and we're going to make it happen. Uh, I, I, you don't, even though it's a, a huge money maker and it would be devastating not to play. I'm not hearing that so much for some of the schools out this way. No, I agree with you, and I think the California thing's very interesting. Obviously, you know the the four packs, uh, the you know Pac-12 schools, uh, they're in California. You know, two are private, two are public, and uh, you know it remains to be seen. I, I do think. Uh, Playing in front of smaller crowds, I've seen, you know, I've seen just about, and I'm sure you guys have too. There's articles and theories abound everywhere on this, but you know, the maybe crowds would be limited in inside the 15 or 20,000 or whatever. But you know, we haven't even got to that point really in the nation of having crowds that big for anything. But um, you know, I I just really, I just cannot envision a world where. The Pac-12 would play football 
and UCLA and Cal would sit it out because I don't know how many years that would, you know, one year of not playing, I think, could be akin to several years trying to get back on. And the money is so great that I think uh, playing in front of no crowds is better than uh, sitting it out. And uh, it's going to be interesting, but, you know, I think there's just so much speculation, guys, and it's fun to talk about that, but, you know, every time I listen to these coaches on the webinars or read these articles and that, you kind of come across those, that's interesting, but I'm not sure that guy knows exactly what he's talking about, you know, because there's, there's so many theories out there, and uh, Jake, I think you made a great point with the Mountain West. That's the conference that it's kind of scary, you know, the Power Five have the big TV contracts and all that, and there's a demand, but, uh, you know, for the Mountain West to have three of their schools basically um, have their leadership uh, higher than the university, obviously, say they're not going to play, but, you know, the remarks out of San Diego State and Fresno and that indicate that they're trying to find a way to play football and continue, and anyone who's been to a game at San Jose State knows that, uh, they could probably find an open field somewhere and play and have as many fans. So, Speaking of those finances, Dirk and Dirk Facer of the Deseret News with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Any word on how the Utah Athletic Department is faring financially? Have you heard any rumors of, you know, the people taking uh, the salary cuts or anything of those uh, of those rumors? You know what? I had that conversation with Mark Harlan recently, and uh, he indicated that uh, – yeah, I didn't get a direct answer on uh, furloughs or pay cuts or anything like that. I was told that they they were focused on finishing this fiscal year uh, strong, and apparently they had managed their money well. And all indications I have is that you know they'll get through this fiscal year just fine. And I think it's it's just like football. I think they're in a holding pattern, uh, not a holding pattern, but it's kind of a wait and see approach to the next fiscal year because you lose that football revenue, it's going to affect every bottom line in the athletic department. But, uh, you know, I think there's contingency plans, but uh, no announcements, nothing imminent. I think it's kind of waiting and seeing if football kicks off as planned. And right now that's the optimistic approach that Mark Harlan has and Kyle Whittingham and, uh, Everyone seems to think that that's the way to go, but obviously there's a ton of speculation that this thing could could turn a variety of directions. It's like watching a hurricane and the path it's going to head in, and you don't know which way it's going to turn. Uh, Dirk, Jake was talking earlier about how let's, (laughs) let's paint a scenario where, good news, the season is going to be played. But because of what's taking place right now, the Utes with a whole lot of sort of restructuring to do with uh, some of the uh, attrition in their program from this last season, how bad is, will that hurt them competitively if, uh, if, if the season does come off? You know, it's going to be interesting because, you know, replacing nine starters on defense uh, for any team, that's a big deal. And then you look at offense, you know, and they're losing the starting quarterback, starting running back, and they're starting left tackle. So they got some big holes to fill. And uh, thank goodness, uh, at least from Utah's perspective, that the Pac-12 South is kind of a mess because, you know, maybe you could still be competitive in that division despite losing nine starters on defense and three big studs on offense. So, 
you know, uh, I think USC looks like the team to beat in the South if everything goes off as planned. But uh, given Utah's track record and the back-to-back division titles, uh, you got to figure they're going to be in the mix somehow. And, and I, I believe the USC game is in Salt Lake, so that uh, uh, could be interesting. But uh, well, it'd be fun to start talking about that a little more than uh, than the spaghetti on the wall a little bit, wouldn't it? Dirk, I know there's really no information to base this opinion off of, but what does your gut tell you about the quarterback situation right now? You know, I kind of think uh, Jake Bentley, I don't think you start 32 games in South Carolina and transfer to Utah, grad transfer, to be the backup. I, I think Jake Bentley is probably going to be the guy. I think Cam Rising is uh, they're very high on him. And, you know, the interesting thing is Drew List's name keeps coming up whether the uh, coaches uh, they're kind of uh, enamored with his play. Uh, but, you know, I think it really comes down to the two transfers and probably Jake Bentley, given his resume, is, it will be the guy to start the season out. But, uh, heck, it's almost like anything these days, guys, you never know. How about the running back situation? That's, a, that's a, you know, you got Brumfield and – uh, Wilmore, that uh, they'll probably battle it out. They, they don't have a Zach Moss, that's for sure. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a work in progress. I don't think you're necessarily going to see a 1,000-yard rusher, but, uh, you know, uh, this may shock you, but I've been wrong before, and a lot of us sports writers and sportscasters and broadcasters have been wrong a time or two, but, uh, you know, that's going to, I think that's going to be a work in progress, and, and somebody's going to need to step up when the the bright lights are on to do it. But right now, you know, Zach Moss had so many carries last year and the last four years, really, that uh, you wonder how much uh, development took place behind him. All right, Dirk, last thing from me, and I've got a very specific question for you, but i got to say... Put a softball right over the plate, would you? Oh, this this is going to be totally easy for you, but I, <laughs> I do. I, I've got I've to set this up a little bit. So I'm going to play uh, a piece of tape for you. This is actually from Joe Ingles' podcast, but it's Aaron okay. Falk, who used to write for the Trib. And yes, he's, I know him uh, well. He's, he tells a story about Gordon, and I have a, a specific question to ask you about it, but let me play the, the tape first. Here you go. You got it. Eventually got into sports because I really liked um, writing feature stories, just telling stories of people's lives. And did you uh, ever write one on me? You know, I think Gordon Monson came in and swooped in. He's like, "I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna take care of this. One. I'm gonna, Aaron. I think I got an idea." Um, All right. Now, when we played this for Gordon, he said it wasn't swooping, but that sometimes beat writers get a little bit protective, and that's just what columnists kind of do. So, my question for you is. How often did Brad Rock swoop your stories? You know, the Rock Monster and I, we knew where the line was. We, we, he was always very supportive of that. It was always Gordon that was coming in and taking my thunder. You know, he takes my Sports Writer of the Year awards away and wins them and, and, and stuff like that. But, you know, you know there's, for us old guard in the, in the business, Gordon, you probably can attest to that. We kind of know where the lines are, don't we? I mean, we kind of respect this is his domain, this is his domain. And, you know, Aaron was kind of new to the, the biz, uh, sports writing, but uh, I think we all get along pretty good. And it's uh, it's a different world. But uh, I, I would like that trophy back, though, Gordon. <laughs> well, Dirk, I, see, I knew you. I That's thought all I you got. Were gonna, 
I thought I thought you were going to answer that way uh, because, as I mentioned earlier, Jake, even though you guys try to drive a wedge between, I don't know anybody who doesn't like Dirk Fraser. I I, I no. literally do not know anyone who doesn't like him. So it'd be easy for Brad to you know respect him enough to be able to try and find that line of which Dirk was speaking. Now, an uh, SOB like me might not know where that line is sometimes, but uh, we, 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 do try, do. <laughs> we, do, we do try to be respectful, that's for sure. We're all on the same team. I even looked at that way, Dirk working for the Desert News and me working for the Salt Lake Tribune, people want to create all this, that, and the other. I'm rooting for Dirk to, to, to do great work, man, and he does, so I, uh, I'm happy. That's kind of it. No, I think there's I think there's a brotherhood there, but uh, you know it. Uh, I do miss the Rock Monster since he's retired. He was kind of kind of my guy at work. I hung out with, but uh, we communicate a lot. But uh, you know, Gordon's been a good friend, and then there's a lot of good guys in this business. Okay, so uh, I know that inform inform our audience real quick. How's Brad doing? Is he doing well? He's doing well. We talk good. quite a bit on the phone, and he's. Uh, He's enjoying it. I'm I'm a little jealous, to be honest, but uh, <laughs> I'm also a little younger, which is nice. So, <laughs> I I know that you guys at the Des News get along with the the guys at the Trib. I I see it every day. But my question to you is, if there were like an anchorman style uh, brawl between the two staffs, <laughs> who who would come out on top? Ooh, Gordon's awful savvy. He'd be tough over there on the Trib team. Um, you know, gosh, that's a good question. You know, Jody, Jody's, uh, Jody was doing triathlons for a while, so he could fight on the land or sea or on a bicycle. <laughs> so he might be our guy. Boy, that escalated quickly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that I, really I, got out of hand fast. I'd be over. You know, I'd be over in the corner hiding. That's where I'd be probably. If you guys want a good laugh, if you get, I know you got to get rid of me and get somebody good on. But uh, the one-minute cinema the guys do earlier in the day is about as funny as it gets. Don't encourage them. One on Rocky too they did that you've got to listen to. It's it's great. <laughs> I've definitely heard it. I keep pushing for it to be played often. Well, we'll see what we can do. We we play random stuff, humiliating those guys all the time. So maybe we'll. <laughs> well, well this is good. Say, they stole that idea from us, right, Dustin? I was going to say, whoever came up with that idea, genius. <laughs> I love it. Is that yours, Austin? That no, was, I would never say idea. such a thing, no. I, no, I, I, I called it, I called it movies I, in a minute, but whatever. <laughs> well, it, it, it makes, this, makes this old guy laugh, and I enjoy it. So. <laughs> well, thanks, Dirk. Thanks, as always, for jumping on. Keep up that good work. Thanks for having me on, and you guys do a great job. Thank you. Thank See you, Dirk. Dirk. The great Dirk Facer from the Deseret News covering the Utes and, of course, good friend of ours. Who do you think would win so, in that type of brawl, Gordon? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm a lover, not a fighter. See, some tells me you guys would be a disadvantage now that Craggs is gone. I bet he would have been salty. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, he'd pull out that five iron and start swinging it around. It would be a lot of want to, I feel like, in Craggs yeah. in a brawl. Craggs looks like the guy that goes to the, uh, the local uh, basketball run at the gym in rollerblade pads. Right. Because yeah, he's going to inflict some pain. It's going to happen, yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. Two things I got out of that discussion with, uh, with Dirk. One is there are some very determined people out there to play football this, uh, this fall. And the second thing is that nobody knows nothing about nothing yet. Nope. It, it would appear that way. So I think 
everybody's still in a holding pattern. That was why one of the bigger pieces of news yesterday was that Silver is going to make up a decision about the NBA in two to four weeks. So at least we have, I mean, even that is not much of a timeline, right? That's a, that's a pretty big gap, but at least it's something like, hey, here's what we're doing. Well, we're learning to be patient, and these these are decisions they have to get right. I mean, I understand the the financial side of all of this, and I and I get how important that is, and people's livelihoods and all that. I, I get that, but I also understand that ultimately, if there are, if there is a second wave, and it is devastating for people, then there's got to be the right decision made heading in with the best information available at the time these decisions are made. And if it turns out to be a different scenario than what is expected or hoped for, then they'll have to be uh, adjustable again and on their toes and and ready to do what's necessary in order to keep the public uh, safe. All right, we'll get to more coming up right around the corner. Don't forget David Locke at the top at the 5 o'clock hour. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.